So we still have that old mindset of Sunday school, but it's really discipleship project class teaching us to, uh, after we have been saved, come to God, been washed and filled, and now what do you do? Because there's a life to live after you. You, know, you don't just, he just touched your life and well, that's it. There's a life to live after that and we need to know how to live it and we find how to live it in his word. Now, you can have examples and mentors and teachers and different things in your life, but you still need to be able to have your own understanding and gain some wisdom out of God's word. So when you are by yourself or when you have to make a decision or if something happens and nobody else is around, you know, if you just happen to be without a cell phone and you can't call somebody, which that's rare today, isn't it? But, uh, you know, sometimes you just need to know, I know God's word, and I know what to do in this situation. And so I'm going to trust him and believe in him. And so we've been, uh, in this last series, we've been talking about, the title is Reframing Work. And we've been, uh, when we say reframing, that means we're looking at it in a different context, as most people think, uh, especially, you know, when you're, when you're in school, a lot of times you think, oh, I can't wait to get out of school. And all of us that are older will say, well, just wait. Because then you've got to go to work. And so people really a lot of times have a negative outlook on work. But God gifted us to be able to work. Designed our bodies to be able to work. So we could do our minds so that we could have wisdom, understand, and comprehend things. And be able to, that's why man does so, so many incredible things. I mean, man is smart, and man is always working, trying to figure something else out. They, you know, created in God's image, so they're creators, they're creative. And unfortunately, they, some use it for bad things and creating evil things, but there are people who believe in creating good things. One way to ensure you stay in the good side is to stay on his side, stay with him. So before we move on, let's stand together. Lift our hands to the Lord this morning and just thank Him for what He's done already. Because you know God's been good to you already. Would you praise Him this morning and just let Him know how much you appreciate Him and love Him. His mercy is new every day. Lord, we love and appreciate you today. You've been so good to us, God, and we thank you. Lord, without you, we would be nothing. But Lord, through you, we can do all things. We thank you for another day, the privilege and opportunity to stand in your presence, to stand in your house and to stand with our brothers and sisters today. We know that no matter what we're facing, you're with us and you'll never leave us or forsake us. And we thank you for that. You are the mighty God and we praise you today. Let's give him a hand clap of praise and a shout this morning. What a great God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Sometimes it feels good just to, that'll help wake you up. Just, just let out a shout sometimes. You know, in here, this ain't the library. And in here, you can, you can lift your voice if you need to and bless God with your voice. I don't know, I don't play any instruments. I sure don't play a trumpet. But the Bible says lift your voice like a trumpet. And I've never really heard a trumpet be very quiet. It seems like, uh, it's, matter of fact, a trumpet sometimes can be, it's a noise that will get your attention. I guarantee you if somebody slipped in behind all of us and, laid down on that trumpet. Everybody in here would jump. 
Because either they think that's the trumpet of the Lord and he's coming and I, why am I still here? Uh, or there's something crazy is going on. Today in reframing work, uh, we'll continue and uh, we had been talking about how God gifts us and the gifts and why he wants us to use them and the ways we should use them, things of that nature. Today, the title of this lesson is When a Gift Becomes a Curse. And that's hard to imagine sometimes, but that happens. That things that were intended for good uh, end up being uh, a bad thing. Uh, when we don't appreciate that the gifts, remember the scripture says every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father. Uh, and so we're thankful that God gives gifts unto men. And it's every good gift and every perfect gift. It's not shoddy. It's not going to break. It's not half done, half baked. It's not useless. It's not out of date. When he gives it, it's every good gift and every perfect gift. And so when we don't appreciate that, that our gifts come from God, then we may tend to use them in selfish ways uh, to only benefit ourself. I don't want to be selfish. I do want to save myself. As the scripture says, I, I want to make sure that I am working out my salvation. I want to make sure that I am examining myself. There's a lot of scripture that talks about self-maintenance. We need to grow in maturity so that we can do that. You do need ministry in your life. You need your brothers and sisters, and I believe that totally. But you have to also be able to trust your own walk and trust that you are growing in the Lord. Um, so uh, we want to make sure that we understand our gifts come from God. They are not of ourself. Man didn't come up with it. it man, man thinks a lot of things. Oh, we, look what we've done. You can't do anything without God because there wouldn't be no material. Everything that was made was made by him. So anything man builds, they build it out of stuff God already made. <laughs> so they, you know, people need to give God the glory. Because without him, nothing would exist. In Luke 12, in verse 16, we'll, I'll read through 21, uh, a familiar parable, the Lord uh, speaking today. said, He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. That right there will tell you automatically that this came from God. Because man didn't create the ground or the seed or the water it takes to make things grow. All that came from God, the sun, everything. So, but he's rich, and his plantation or his vineyard or his fields brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, build greater. Now, he's already rich with the barns he has. But now he's got so much he don't know what to do with it. And instead of blessing other people with it, he's going to keep it all for himself. So I'm going to pull down my bars and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. He mentions nothing about distributing, just hanging on to it. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And that's a phrase we hear in the world a lot of times. People say, oh, eat, drink, and be merry. Just live your life, enjoy yourself, and don't worry about nobody else. But God said unto him, 
just think now this man's laying down dreams of grandeur in his head. He's thinking about how more, much richer he's going to be. Thinking about all these plans and things he's making. That night, the Lord breaks into his sleep and says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Who's going to get all this stuff now? It, it, because you ain't bringing it with you. Whichever way you go, up or down, it don't go with you. But it might cause you to go one way or the other. He says, so, and then he said, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. In other words, when all we do is think of ourselves and ourselves and ourselves and are not worried about God's kingdom, you know, even in our prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God's telling us, as you pray, your focus should be uh, on my kingdom, be kingdom-minded. And so... Uh, we're going to talk about when a gift becomes a curse. Let's just pray one more time for the lesson. Lord, thank you for your word, for the wisdom and understanding it brings, and help us to receive it, Lord, into good ground today, because surely we want to be more like you. We want to be ready to meet you when you come. And while we're here, we want to be pleasing to you, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. And give the Lord one more hand clap of praise for his word. I appreciate his word today thankful for these lessons that he teaches us. So it is important to not only be saved and to be blessed, but it's important to be what he wants you to be. And it's more than a one-time experience, but now, like I said, there's life to live. That's, you see these people that say, oh, I've been in church all my life. And that means they had a life to live from the point they decided this is where I want to be. And uh, we want to live it right for him. We need to uh, make sure we understand that God is not uh, pleased with greedy people. When we back up, before we came into this parable, it's, uh, there are two men, that, uh, young men, that help set the, the tone for this parable. They, uh, one comes to him and says, Master, uh, talk to my brother and tell him to divide his inheritance with me. And the Lord's like, that's not for me to worry about. I'm not here to uh, be a judge or divider over you. But then instead of trying to address, hey, you ought to share, you ought to do this, he, he goes right to, to the root of the problem, to the heart of the matter, and he says, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. He goes right to it. And he lets them know that both of them are in the wrong. Now, one man, because he ain't going to let go, it's his brother. He won't even take care of his brother. And the other one, because he wants what somebody else has got. And he said, the heart of this problem is greed on both sides. You're so greedy, you won't turn loose of anything. Now, if he is the older brother and has the possession, he's got a double portion anyway. And he ought to be able to take care of his brother. But maybe he wants to build bigger barns. Maybe that's why Jesus went on and told this next parable. But then it's this younger brother's deal. He's like, tell him, well, what did you do with your part? Did you go out and waste it like the prodigal son did? And now you won't come back wanting his? I don't know what it happened, but both of them were in the wrong. And Jesus, instead of excusing them or making 
light of it or just giving them some kind of answer and go on. He, he said, let's address it. Both of you are greedy. Both of you are trying to, one's trying to get it, one's trying to hold on to it. Nobody wants to do anything with it. Nobody wants to use it to make somebody better. The scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. People uh, are so greedy, trying to hoard things, hold on to things, and, and being miserly. Don't want to let nothing else out. But if God blesses you to that point, you need to bless somebody else. That's just how it is. That's how it works. God gave it to be distributed. We live in this world today, in this society, materialism. I got to get everything I can get. You know the old saying, he who has the most toys or dies with the most toys win? How does he win? He can't take nothing with him. Did I pass out? I thought I fell and didn't even know it. What was we talking about? What day is it? Having the most toys doesn't mean you win. Getting everything you can get doesn't mean anything because it doesn't mean anything eternally. And it may enjoy or, you know, lend you some pleasure for a little while. Uh, you know, and you may uh, feel like it gives you some kind of social status. And that's the way it, this world is. Advertisements, peer pressure, you know, desire for social status and success. Uh, people's always pushing, trying to get more, working, you know, their self to death, working 60, 70, 80 hours. Now, I understand that there's some jobs that, man, they, they, that's just it. You sign up for it, you, you're going to work. And you're going to work hard and you're going to work long and some jobs are shorter, you know, it's whatever. I understand that. That's a legitimate job is a legitimate job. But when you, it's the attitude in which you are doing this. If you're like, okay, I have a full-time job, but I'm going to get another full-time job. I work days, but I'm going to work nights just so I can, you know, have me another car or have a bigger house or have me, you know, if it's, if it's driving you just so you can keep up with the Joneses, if you're trying to, to so people can see what you've got and, and make, make people think that you're doing something, that oh, look how good he's doing, that's the wrong attitude. You know, you, you need to be content with what you have and, and use it for the glory of God. Everything we get goes to him. You know, when we get every, I, unless, I, just about every vehicle we've ever gotten, once we get it, I go out, and I pray for that vehicle, that it'll be good, that it'll be safe, that it'll continue working. You say, that's silly. Why? I'm thankful for it. I thank God for it. And I tell the Lord, I will use this for you. If somebody needs a ride, we'll go get them. If we need to take something off or work at the church, we'll use it. If we need to haul something, I will use it for the glory of God. And of course, it's for my personal use also, but... When I can do it, if somebody needs a ride, hey, I come get you. Or you need me, hey, I need a ride to the airport. Have I ever took anybody to the airport in here? Look at all these, yeah. Huh? yeah. And so I don't mind doing that. God made a way for me to have that car. I'm going to use it, yes, so I can go get my groceries and I can get, get to where I need to go. But to help somebody else who needs that help, needs that ride, needs that. That's what God wants us to do. Our life, as he, Jesus said, Luke 12 and 15, it does not consist in the abundance of things that we possess. We are not measured except by the world, by the things we have. 
See, we'll look at somebody who's homeless, and they don't have nothing. But you know what? They might be homeless, but they might have love in their heart. and They may be uh, living for God. They just don't have a house. Well, they're living in a tent. Maybe they want to live in a tent. And they, you meet them, and they're loving, and they're kind, and they would give you, even though they don't have anything, they would give you something of theirs to bless you because they know that it's not about the things I have. It's what's going on in here. What has God done in my life and what has he provided? Uh, I don't want the blessing, even the blessing, the gift of life to become a curse. There's some people you don't ever want to see coming. Life, that gift that God gave them has become a curse because they don't know how to live their life. It's the truth. So we have a decision to make in this world. Will we live by the world's values, all the things we can get? Uh, Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and money. You, and he said serve money? Absolutely. People serve money, become servants to money. Oh, I, I make that money. No, you have started, when you get so greedy, you start working for the dollar. And the dollar not really working for you anymore. Jesus said this. And if you love me, keep my commandments. When you love something, obedience falls in line. You become, are, you, are you his servant? Yeah. The love of money, you become the servant. You, will, you, you actually become obedient to the dollar. It, it controls you. You're no longer working just so you can take care of it. You, it that dollar's like, you better get up and go to work. It's got you. And you can't get away from it. It's, it's like... Hey, I, I don't know. If you play the lottery, hey, that's up to you. I'm telling you, them people I see blowing their paychecks, I'm having to wait five minutes in line while they keep buying tickets at the gas station. I'm trying to, get, I just want to pay for something. I want to buy my drink and get out of here. And, you, and I, I watch them laying out $100 bills. Give me eight of them, six of those. So. Hey, how are you going to buy groceries this week? How are you going to keep the lights on? You, all your money went into the scratch-off tickets. You know, what? They're slaves. I've got to be rich. I'm going to hit that million. I'm going to get that $63 million. That Powerball's mine. It's mine. Eats them up. But if you just took that little bit of money you had right there and did something that mattered with it, you'd be happy. You'd have peace. You'd know you was doing something good. Luke, uh, back up or back up just a little bit or go forward a little bit Jesus is talking giving more instruction Luke 12 and 23 he said life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment he said you need to understand it uh, the Gentiles seek after these things they're always stressing about it anxiety over it what am I going to do about food what am I going to do about clothing and he goes ahead and he says look if God is going to clothe the fields of the earth and he's going to feed the birds of the sky how much better are you his children. He says, so don't worry about those things. God will take care of that stuff. You seek the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. If we could just be happy with what we need and not be always stressing about what we want. I, you said, brother, you don't want anything? Sure, there are some things I want, but some things I realize are a dream. 
and I will probably never see that. And it's okay. Sometimes it's okay to entertain that because you realize it's not really sensible. Yeah. You know what? I'd like to have a, a, a six-car garage with six different Mustangs in it. I'd love that. But I'm not going to go build a garage, and I'm not even going to try to buy six cars because it's, it's ridiculous. But wouldn't it be nice? Drive one each day of the week, you know, whatever. You know, uh, it would be awesome. You mean you want that? Sure. Somebody's going to give it to me? I want it. But am I going to go remortgage my house to do it, or am I going to get another job uh, working 60, 70 hours so I can start doing that? Uh-uh, because I know what it takes to work on old cars. It's money every day. And with six of them, come on. So to have them like I want it, I'll be broke. And God has given me a, a place to minister, and he's given me a living, and he's given me... And I, this blessing of my house will become a curse because now I owe so much on my house, it's not even worth it. I'm stressed out. I'm going crazy. And then I just fall out one day because the stress got too much. And blessings and life and things that God meant for good became a curse and killed me. It'll kill you. Stress will kill you. Worrying over things like that will kill you. If it doesn't kill you physically, it'll kill you emotionally. It'll kill you spiritually. It, 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 you'll, you'll become a slave to the grind. And uh, you, you're in that rat race. And uh, Jesus told us we was running a race, but it ain't the rat race. And we need to get out of that, and we need to live our life for him. And, li- hey, young folks, listen up. You're you going through school, and uh, you, you, you're going to start your life. And when you start that family and everything, don't, don't try to keep up with everybody. You know what the worst thing for a young couple is? is they see a couple that's been married 20 years, and they think, I want everything you got. took 20 years to get it. You want it in two days. When you get back from the honeymoon, you want it. Hey, don't happen. You got to go through it like everybody else did. You work towards these things, and, and you do that, and you don't let it eat you alive. You know what? Man, go ahead, young couple. Come back from that honeymoon and blow them credit cards up and hit the Home Depot and all these places, and now all you do is fight with each other because somebody can't pay the bills. Well, if you made more money, well, if you did this, and, and now you're in my office saying we can't make it work. You could have. You need to file bankruptcy and start over. Don't let the gifts of God become a curse in your life. You know, yeah, oh, oh, but I, I, you know, I, I want this. I want designer. I want that. Oh, boy. Well, they, you can get so caught up in your appearance and what you got and what other people think about what you got that you become miserable. The only time you smile is when you fake it in front of them. I don't want that. I want the joy of the Lord. I want to serve the Lord with gladness. I want peace of God. Greed, by definition, is a selfish and excessive desire for more of something than is needed. It's like last night. I got greedy in that buffet line. I didn't need that second round of meatballs and macaroni and cheese, and I paid for it. But it was there, and it looked so good. And I was like, if I don't get them, somebody else will get this. I didn't realize we had another crock pot full in the kitchen. But it's an excessive desire for more of something than what's needed. It's the inordinate desire to possess wealth, goods, objects of abstract value with the intention to keep it for yourself. Far beyond 
the dictates of basic survival is way past that or comfort. It is applied to a markedly high desire for and pursuit of wealth, status, and power. And that is not like him, like Jesus. Jesus was not like that. We should not be like that. God, by nature, is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. He giveth gifts unto men. God is always giving, 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 giving of his, he's, he's always available. God's always giving of his time. You never get down to pray and he say, I, hey, I can't make it right now. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Uh, you know, we'll have, you know, uh-uh. He, wherever you are, whenever you're ready, he's ready. Always available, always there. God is always giving. He loves everybody. Love always gives outside of itself. God is always giving to others. And so, uh, if we're like that, we're greedy. And greed is always condemned throughout the Bible. People always fuss about, hey, they keep taking the Ten Commandments off these buildings. Why fuss about something you don't even keep? Why does it matter to you if it's up there or not? You know what one of them is? Thou shalt not covet. You can't be longing after, lusting after the things that your neighbor has, that your friend has. Oh, that's it. I got to go to the dealership because he just got a new car. I can't take it. Yeah, I see him out there in the driveway. He's washing his car. I'm trying to tie mine together with uh, ba- with bailing wire. It's falling apart, you know. I got duct tape on my tires and headlight falling out, and he's over there shining and buffing. And yeah, and he's broke, and his insurance is high. And your car gets you there and gets you back. I'm not saying you got to drive a Pinto. I'm saying. <laughs> But if that's all you can afford, drive it. Did it get you to the store and back? It did what it was supposed to do. Don't be greedy. God forbade Israel from that. One of the Ten Commandments. This is a, a must. You, oh, I don't lie, I don't cheat. Well, don't be lusting after everybody else's stuff either. Don't do that. Greed has led to the downfall of many, many notable and great people in this world and in Scripture. You think about Achan. Anybody know who Achan was? Achan was one of those who was fortunate enough I get to go into the promised land. Achan was one of those who made the cut, and he was that, that second group that Brother Nathaniel was talking about the other night, that they're going to cross Jordan. And he, just, he didn't have to swim. He miraculously he walks across on dry ground through the Jordan, gets to the other side, he gets into the promised land. He is a soldier in God's army, and he's God's chosen people. He sees the walls of Jericho fall flat down, He's great, one of the greatest miracles they witnessed up to that point. He's so blessed, got everything he wants. He's you know, probably the, around his age, he's probably, you know, uh, for that time period, a, a relatively young man. He's got a family, got possessions. We learn that later. But you know what? He had all this going for him, and he gets in there, and he sees a wedge of gold. He sees some silver. 
And he sees this nice-looking Babylonian garment. And he's already been commanded, you don't take nothing out of this city. He's stuffing it in his bag. Got to have it. You know what happened to Achan? They stoned him. Not just him. His family stoned him. His animals killed everything. Nothing left. They didn't say, well, let's divide his herds up. No, kill everything he's got. Greed will destroy everything you've got. You will lose a grip on the things that are most precious. Greed, you know, oh, I love God so much. I've seen so many miracles I would never go. Greed is so powerful, it will cause you to disobey God. It will. You know what greedy people do? Lie. Oh, I ain't got no money. Hey, hey. I, I, oh, I ain't got no food. Hey, could you take me somewhere? You know what? I really ain't got no gas in the car. Full tank. Greed will make people lie. It will. People get greedy. They, they, it leads to other sins. And then now, now you're just running down the list of the Ten Commandments. Greedy. Gehazi. Anybody remember him in the scripture? Servant to Elisha. Elisha was servant to Elijah. And uh, when Elijah was called up to the Lord, he he gave uh, Elisha a double portion of his spirit, and now Elisha is a great prophet in Israel, and Gehazi is following him. So comes the reason that Gehazi could fall, you know, receive the same kind of blessing that Elisha did. Well, one day Naaman shows up to the house of Elisha. Got this leprosy going on. Go dip seven times in Jordan River. You'll be cleansed. After he finally decides to do it, he comes out. Man, this is awesome. Comes back to Elisha. Let me bless you. I want to give you a reward. I'm going to give him some money, give him some things. Elijah said, don't want nothing you got. This is a gift God gave me. I, I don't want no money for it. Go on. He leaves. Gaze, I was like, what? He takes off and runs him down. Lies. Just starts lying already. Hey, yeah, oh, we got some people need. Can we get this and get that? So, they, man, they load him up. He takes it back, hides it in his little hut room, whatever he's got, and thinks that Elisha don't know. Have you seen what he can do? <laughs> Have you witnessed Elisha? Do you know how God talks to him? Are you kidding me? And then go lie to his face. And that leprosy that was left in the Jordan River jumped on Gehazi, and Gehazi becomes a leper. Greed destroyed him. New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira. Acts, book of Acts. Everybody's having revival, people selling land, doing things, selling possessions, giving money to the revival. They sell their land instead of saying, hey, we got some bills to pay or we need some things. Can we keep half of it and give half of it? They want to lie and say, yeah, this is all of it. This is what we sold it for. And the Holy Ghost said, no, you didn't. And both of them dropped dead from greed because it caused them to lie about what they'd done. And so, and, and Peter told him, said, look, while it was in your possession, it was yours to do with what you would. You didn't have to lie. But you took what God blessed you with and turned it into a curse. And now you and your wife, gone. I don't know if they had kids or not. I don't know if these kids sitting around the house, where's mom and dad at? They don't say. I don't know where their mom and dad thought. Hey, have you seen Ananias fire? Yeah, they buried out back now. What? Yeah. Lying. 
Got them. Greed. Got them. Greed will always lead to greater sins. We need to uh, remember the scripture. Matthew 16 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Of what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The whole world is the Lord's. And then he gives us everything in this world to enjoy every day. He loadeth us daily with benefits. Scripture. His mercy is new every morning. He is always blessing, always giving, always taking care of us, watching out for us, protecting us, listening for us. You know, it, always, always, always. God is always doing for his people. And yet it's all his. The heavens are his throne, the earth is his footstool. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and yet he is always blessing me. For my God shall supply, what was it? All of your need according to his riches and glory. So he takes what he's got and distributes and uses for us to be blessed with. And Oh, I'm going to be like the Lord. But we say that when we talk about healing the sick, preaching the word. What if we could be like the Lord in our giving, in our generosity, in our humility, things of that nature? Then these blessings wouldn't become a curse. Israel was warned in Deuteronomy because they had lived and wandered. In it, in, you know, while they wandered in, in the wilderness, God fed them with quail, manna, water out of the rock. Their garments didn't wax old. The shoes, God took care of them. He said, but now I'm sending you into a land. And you're going to take fields that you didn't work in, cities that you didn't build. You're going to, all these things, it's going to be yours. You're going to drive out these enemies and everything they already done. It's already, you're going to move in this house and the garden's already there. He said, but beware that after you get there and you see all this stuff that you didn't labor for, you didn't work for, that I made sure you was going to be provided. He said, beware lest you forget the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Beware. Oh, I could never forget God. People forget him every day. Every day they forget God. They, they walk away from him, uh, turn their back on him. I'm talking about, you know, what, you know how I know it happens? There's a jar full of them right there. Oh, no, they know there's a God. They didn't get amnesia and forget there is a God. They forget him in turning from him. We don't want that. We don't want to turn from him. We want to be a light unto him. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, oftentimes we think of great gain as being monetary wealth or the possessions we have. It even bleeds over into the church sometimes. We think, oh, look at all they got. You know God's blessing them. The stuff that people have doesn't necessarily mean God's blessing them. People can obtain wealth on their own, and God, like, I ain't a part of it. They got all their money through lying or scheming or stealing. Well, God ain't a part of that. So you can't always look at somebody's fortune and think, wow, that doesn't mean that there's not blessed people. God's blessed them, made a way for them to make money, made a way for them to do things. People are smart. They invested money somehow and it's getting returns. They, they, yeah, God has blessed them. They've got good jobs. They're heart surgeons. They're brain surgeons. 
They make anesthesia people, all these doctors, they're smart. They're making money. That's fine. Godliness with contentment is great gain. God's kingdom is not like the world. Godliness or striving to be more like God coupled with the contentment with the things that we have. And the Bible tells us, be content with such things as you have. Isn't that what it says? Uh, for he has said he'll never leave you or forsake you. As long as you got him, be content with what else you have. So trying to be like him and content with what I have will bring true wealth into your life. It will bring peace of mind. That's the peace of God that passes understanding. Hey, you just lost everything. How come you ain't lo- your house just burned up and you didn't have insurance and you lost everything? How are you okay? I still got him. The doctor said this and that and that. How come you're not? Because I still got him. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Learn to be content with God. Paul, he made the statement. He said, I have learned that whatever state I am in, to therewith be content. Doesn't matter what's going on in my life. I just want to be content. See if I can wrap this up in five minutes. We'll flip the coin. So everybody understands, greed is not what Jesus wants. Right. You know what else he doesn't want? Lazy. Just as we should be aware of covetousness, greed, and working too much to the detriment of more important things, we must also beware of becoming lazy. The Bible says that the Lord doesn't like a false balance, so he doesn't like things to be uh, out of balance. Balance is key, and it takes the wisdom of God to find proper balance. Proverbs 22 and 13, the slothful man, everybody knows what slothful means. It's pretty good since we have that animal that everybody thinks so cute. Uh, maybe that's why they want to be slothful. I don't know. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, but the slothful man will say that there is a lion without, and I'll be slain in the streets. How often have you seen a lion walking down the street? After the carnival truck flips over, maybe, or, you know, no, you, you're going to go to Athens today, you walk around the streets, walk around campus, there's no lions sneaking around down there in, in downtown, and, oh, I can't go out today. There's, lazy people will make the most ridiculous excuse to not do nothing. And that's what he just said. And a slothful man will, will say, hey, I, I can't go out. There's a lion outside. I'll be killed. That's like saying, man, I'm not going outside because an airplane's going to crash on my head. <laughs> I can't come into work today. Why? Well, I'm pretty sure that a rhinoceros is going to come across the street and hit my car. It's ridiculous. But you don't, you don't care as long as it brings a result. I, I'm not going out. Proverbs 19 and 15, slothfulness. When you get to be that kind of person, it will cast you into a deep sleep. And he says, an idle soul shall suffer hunger. Laziness is when we put our God-given ability, or laziness in putting our God-given abilities to work can lead to not only physical hunger, but spiritual and emotional stupor. You know what that is? You ever, man, I slept so hard, woke up, and you just feel like you don't know where you are? That's, that's how slothful people get with the world. They don't know how to function anymore. Uh, they're in a, a spiritual uh, stupor. They, 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 it's like, man, snap out of it, snap out of it. You've got to, you know, you can sit around 
You ever have one of them days where, hey, I don't have nothing going on? So I'm just going, this morning, you know, your normal routines, man, you're up, coffee, breakfast, out the door, bam, you're busy. But today I'm off. Holiday, whatever. And so yeah, I'm just going to sit here. I never feel rested after that. After I sit there to a point, I'm like, yeah, and then I ain't going to do so. I just push it. I just keep sitting. And before I know it, I'm, you know, you're sitting now. What, it's 5 o'clock already? Man, I feel worthless. You know why? Because you ain't done nothing. And your body's like, man, you're like a dead person. Get up, do something. When you get active, you'll feel better. People say, I don't like to exercise. You might not like it, but if you do, you'll feel better. And you, you will feel better if you move around some. Get up, get the blood circulating. We're not designed to lay around. Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of the lazy man kills him or his hands refuse to labor. It's not that he doesn't want things. He has desires and it's killing him because he won't do nothing about it or he won't do the right things about it. A lazy man, a slothful man will lie, cheat, steal, scheme. That's you know, why you see people robbing people. And what's one thing you always hear them say? Why can't people just get a job and, and earn money instead of stealing what everybody else got? Or you ever come home and somebody's broken your house, took it? Why somebody will come take what I worked for? Because they don't want work. They want the spoil of what you spent your life trying to get. And they're lazy. Now, a lot of times lazy people say, oh, I'm not lazy. Uh, you know, I'm frugal. I'm just making sure my time is well spent. You're lazy. Ecclesiastes 10 and 18 says, By much slothfulness, and here's where we need to understand, by much slothfulness, the building decayeth. Now, let me say this. I understand some days you have worked yourself to death, and you deserve a day. God gave us a day. Six days shall a man work and rest. God knows that this body needs rest. And there's nothing wrong. You're not lazy. If you work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, Monday through Friday, and Saturday you want to sleep to 1 o'clock, more power to you. You ought to. It's your day. It's your, your rest and sleep. Get you some rest. Your body needs it. But when you never do nothing, and all you do is sleep, by much slothfulness the building decays, and through the idleness of hands, the house drops through you. In other words, things start falling apart when you don't do nothing. If you have a car, you have to maintain it. If you have a house, you have to maintain it. You've got to maintain this as well. Not only should we not be lazy in the natural things. You, you know, if you're lazy and you've got a job and you show up when you want to, you don't have a job very long. But you know what? God is long-suffering. And boy, we can be lazy with him and he just... So give you another try. But if you start getting lazy in your studying, your reading, your devotion time, if you get lazy in your prayer life, if you get lazy in your church life, things start falling apart. People can say what they want to. They walk outside of God. They start laying him to the side. He's not as important as he used to be. They just start showing up for holidays and funerals. Things going, every post, something's going wrong in my life. Something's going wrong in my life. 
this is happening, that's happening. Things start falling apart. They lose faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Hey, man, why, why are you so upset? Why are you so worried, man? You used to be shouting and running and carrying on and just, man, you was on fire. Because there ain't been no wood on that fire in a long time. If you're going to put wood on the fire, you know what you got to do? You got to gather it. You got to cut it. You got to split it. You got to get the wood. People, oh, that's work. Yeah. Yeah, you know what living for God is sometimes? Work. It's not uh, grievous. It's not, ooh, I don't want this job. Ain't, ain't nothing I'd rather do than follow him, live for him. Because uh, his word it's not a burden to live for God. So we can have all these gifts and we can turn them into a curse by being too greedy, trying to keep it all to ourselves. You would be like the man that had the talent and buried it. I ain't going to profit nobody else. I'm just going to bury this thing. Or, oh, I think I'll just turn over this morning, not get up and go to church. Uh, this recline feels so good. I don't think I'll go to prayer tonight. Hey, if you're actually you're working and this thing's going, I understand when things go on that keep us out of the house. I, I, you, know, I, you know me. I know that. But when it gets into your mind that that's always the default choice, slothfulness is slipping in. If it's always church or God is the first thing to get set to the back burner, things are getting, that's where we start. We need to start checking ourselves. It should not always be God getting moved back. I know that, I know that was some sour medicine. I understand. But it's the truth. Is that we have to, to watch ourselves and make sure. You know, and again, I know. Sometimes they call you up and say, hey, you got to come in today. It's your job. You got to go. Some days you're sick. I understand it. You got a fever and you throwing up, stay home. Please. Stay home. I, you know, your kids are sick, your parents are sick, whatever. You, know, you got things, sometimes things happen. Got it. I'm talking about what's going on in here. What's going on in here? If I am sick and I miss church, I know I'm too sick to be there. My fever is 105. I cannot be around people. I can't get out of the bed. I know I can't be there. You know what? I feel bad. Because I'm not there. Well, but you're sick. I know, but I'm missing church. <laughs> I, and I might miss somebody's life getting changed. Or I'm, you know, uh, this is what I do. Church is, is the kingdom of God. Work for him is my life. You, know, you ever talk about your grandparents? And honey, come on to the music so I'll shut up. <laughs> oh, he wouldn't never take a day off. He'd work sick. He'd be feeling bad, but he'd plow that field. He just it had just the way there was. It was work, worth ethic. It was just there. Work, and he know. Yep, he could have, but he knew mm -mm, if I don't, it'll go undone. And so I might be sick, but I gotta do it. And we, man, we'll just yeah, boy, whew, man, my my granddaddy, my daddy, my mama. You know, we we just talk about how they, well, they would work, well, they worked their fingers to the bone, and I know they'd be tired, wore out, sick, and. They, what about that work ethic in the church? Whew, really don't feel that great today, but I'm going anyway. A lot of stuff going on in my life. I'm stressed, depressed, anxiety, but I'm going anyway. I'm mad, I'm going anyway. 
I'm broke, go anyway. School's tough, job's tough, lost my job, lost this, go anyway. Because what you do for the kingdom matters. Do you realize that you are important to the body of Christ? And guess what? With all these members, you ever just have in your natural body, just like, I got this one little old spot right here. Just hurts like a fever. My hands are fine. My feet are fine. I don't have a headache. It's just this one little aggravating spot. But you got to keep going even though that one little spot is bothering you. It doesn't matter. We're all part of this body. And sometimes we have those aches and pains naturally, spiritually. But you got to keep going. You've got to keep going. Don't let this gift, what a gift it is to be part of the body of Christ but don't let it turn into a curse. Because the Bible says, how should we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It's been given. And he said, you know what? All you got to do to mess it up is neglect. You ain't got to make no full front attack on it. Just neglect it. That's kind of that slothful man. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. He said his walls fell down, his fields grew over, and he didn't have nothing. Let's stand together. I, I can keep going. I'm just teaching and teaching and teaching. I'm thankful for the giftings that God gives us. I'm thankful for jobs I've had in my life. I'm thankful for this call in the ministry. But if we don't pay attention to the gifts and then use them in the right light, It'll become a curse. Take you right out. I don't want that to happen to you. Let's lift our hands and pray and thank God for what He's given us this morning. Lord, we thank you for the giftings and callings. We thank you for the ministries and the blessings. Lord, you've given us natural jobs. You've provided homes. You've given us wisdom and understanding so we could be doctors and lawyers and teachers and law enforcement. We've got all kinds of different people. And Lord, you gave us gifts to be able to do this. Lord, we don't want to take it for granted. But we're going to thank you for it and do our best in it. We're not going to be greedy and we're not going to be lazy. But we're going to do the work of the kingdom. You said if we put our hand to the plow, not to look back. So Lord, we're going to put our hand to the plow. We're going to keep going forward. We're going to keep serving you and serving this kingdom. We're going to see the gifts prosper. We're going to see this work prosper and we're going to be a blessing to somebody else in this world in Jesus name. Everybody said amen. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise. What a great God. What a great God we serve. Thank you for being in uh, discipleship class this morning. I tell you, I like these lessons. I, I want to learn more how to be a disciple. And guess what? The only stopping point in discipleship is when we get there. We'll, we'll be carrying this cross until that day. So let's, let's keep moving forward. Let's find a place to pray before the next service and expect God to do some great things. God bless you this morning.